Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 64, where in a moment, we're joined by guest Tony Lister of Remax Inverness to get his take on 13 ways to market your property and achieve a quick sale, which came from a LinkedIn article by Tony, which Phil saw recently and thought was worthwhile inviting Tony on to elaborate on. So that's coming up in moments, like I say, but please bear in mind if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. And you can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows. Because in our programmes to date, we've covered mortgages, pensions, credit unions, help to buy schemes, premium bonds, life insurance and loads more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last week, we looked at how to keep Christmas costs down. Remember, we can drill down and focus on pretty much anything forensically. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll get us there. Like I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And in that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Mellis. And with me, as always, the star of our show, it's Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you today? Good, thank you. Now, another guest uh, on this week's episode. Welcome to Tony Lister from Remax in Inverness. Hi, Tony. Hi, Tony. Thanks for having me on. Now, uh, Remax, Tony, I vaguely remember there being a period where Remax was everywhere from nowhere. I think it was an American model from memory. But other than that, I couldn't tell you much about it. So why don't you explain that for us, first of all, and what makes Remax different? Yeah, Remax is quite unique as in we, um, all our agents, all our people are self-employed. We don't have one person that does one part of the job and another person that does the next. Each agent is individual for every single aspect of selling a house from marketing to find clients that actually need to sell their house to sitting and speaking with that client, explaining the benefits of what they're going to do for them, and then actually carrying out the work they've agreed to do, not hiding behind anybody else in the office if things start to go wrong. And the major benefit to the client is that the agent doesn't get paid till the job's done. So you've got your own personal agent with you from start to finish who won't get paid until they've done the job to your satisfaction. Am I right in saying, Tony, Remax is kind of right across the UK as well, is it? It's not just right across the UK, it's right across the globe. But they, two years ago, did uh, embarked on a massive expansion project in England, and that's really beginning to bear fruit now. So big up to the boys down there, they're doing a fantastic job. That's brilliant. And you, you're based in, in Inverness, was that right? And, and I, I was going to just ask, like, how, how long have you been involved in property, and, and what did you do before that, Tony? So I got involved with Remax in uh, November 2016, but before that I was 16 and a half years in the motor trade and probably about 20 years, 20, 22 years probably in, in sales in total before I came to Remax. So is Inverness a particular market that you know quite well? Um, well, I wouldn't uh, pin it down to Inverness. I'd say the Highlands and Murray we cover from Inverness, Kiltarlity, Sold a couple of properties in the um, Glen Morriston area this year. Nairn, Forest, Elgin, okay. uh, lost, lost your mouth, right across the Murray Coast, really. Yeah, so you're stretching north and, and east there. I, I used to know it a bit better myself. I've been born and bred there, but it's changed a lot since I lived there full time. And it's been almost 30 years. I've been out of it longer than I lived in it. Beautiful part of the world, though. Let's get on to this article you wrote, Tony. 13 ways to, to market your property and achieve a quick sale. 
How is the housing market in general right now before we start that? Yeah, it's absolutely crazy just now. The number of people bringing homes to the market is down probably about 10, 15% on where it normally is at this time of year and has been that suppressed all the way through the year. But the number of people looking to buy properties is up by almost 40%. Wow. So you've got a much larger group of people people looking for a much smaller number of properties. What, what, why do you think that is? Lock people up in their houses for a considerable amount of time. And of course, they begin to notice all the things that <laughs> don't work for them. If you were going out and living your life normally as we were pre the pandemic, you would live with these um, uh, little inconsistencies a bit longer before you wanted to move. Add to that the fact that properties are selling so quickly that people thinking about selling are nervous about putting their house on the market because they're worried it will sell before they find one they want to buy. And you can see it makes a very toxic mix and it's pushing prices sky high. Yeah. Now, this article, Tony, was it written for your peers in terms of helping them move a property for a client, for the for the client themselves, or maybe a bit of both? I think it was a bit of both. I, I do believe in giving clients a little bit of what we call value in advance, telling them what we're about. So it helps to build up trust in what we do. But I mean, the article was written for LinkedIn. So it's there for professionals as well. We're looking to attract people to come and join us on, on our VMAX journey. So if you can build a little bit of value in advance for them as well, then yeah, I think it's all good. And it's aimed at both. I suppose whether the, the property market's struggling or, or buoyant, there's always sort of lots of properties up for sale. So it's important to be able to stand out and vital that, that people get to see that their properties in front of people. And one of the, the steps, Tony, the, the first one, take us through the, the, the 13 steps. I think the, the first one on the list was photos. Was that right? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, if the photos are dull, they're dreary, they don't stand out from the crowd, why are you going to expect people to, to want to buy them? I will add a caveat, though. A lot of um, people use wide-angled lens to create a um, photograph for a house. That's all well and good in attracting people to look at it, but if their first impression when they get to the house is, this is an awful lot smaller than it looked in the photographs, they can switch off very, very quickly. So I think it's more important to have a good quality photo that's not using a, a, a lens that will distort the size of the rooms. I'd far rather someone walk into a house and say to me, oh, this is a lot bigger than it looked in the photos, because now they're in a positive mindset. Yeah. Can we can we do these ourselves, Tony? If we, or if we do hire a pro, what, what sort of cost is reasonable? What would you expect to pay for the photos? There are people that will pay all sorts of, uh, that will charge you all sorts of costs at Remax. It's all covered off by the marketing fee that we charge when we're engaged to do the job. So you don't need to worry about that. And we do not put any pictures on the internet until our clients have approved them. And if that means we have to be in a house all day taking the photographs, we'll be in the house all day taking the photographs. <laughs> what's, what's step two, Tony? Step two on the list. Well, that's videos. You know yourself, if you just put pictures on, the likes of Facebook, people scroll past them very quickly if they don't see something that captures their imagination. But people will stop a bit longer if they see video content. One of the tools that we use when we're selling a home is a proper 360-degree virtual tour. 
And to stand out from the crowd there, for an example, we embed videos into the virtual tour so that, for example, when you're looking at a kitchen, you can't see the integrated appliances. You don't know which of the appliances are included. So we create videos for the virtual tour that tell people what the appliances are and which ones are included and anything else interesting about the property that will help capture people's imagination. I, I sold a house a few months back now and, and I got a video done with, with, when I was selling and I must admit, I, I thought it looked really good. And in these kind of COVID times, some people are still a bit reluctant to go out and in other people's homes. So for, for me, I know it, it was something that was great. The, the video was so important that, that I got done. And do, do you ever find, Tony, do you, do you ever get anybody that tries to like do it themselves or do they usually happy for the like yourselves and professionals to, to do the video? I've, I think people do attempt to do it themselves, but once they've engaged the state agent, the, the argument is why pay someone to do a job and then do it yourself? We're doing it all the time. We, we know the pitfalls. We, we've got the software that's going to make things look as bright as they are in real life, whereas if you're putting a camera in a house and you haven't got the lighting right, you can make your house look very, very dark when it isn't necessary. So we've got all the editing suite to do that. And I know there are people out there that will say, oh, but I'm a photographer. I know how to use Photoshop. You can't Photoshop things. If you start editing out bits of something that's actually in a house, you're misrepresenting it. It has mm. to be right. Next is step three. I'll be honest. Here's one I expected had to be included in the sales pack. Floor plans. Now, what are the benefits of having those drawn up? Well, the benefits are there are people out there that won't buy anything, whether it be a house, a car or whatever, until they've done all their research and they need to know every last detail. And by having the floor plan drawn up, you're giving them the exact layout of the house, which is answering an awful lot of their questions so that they're not having to waste their time picking up the phone to you, asking you all these questions and potentially viewing a property that once they'd seen the layout, they weren't all that interested in. I know when the, the house I ended up buying, it didn't have any floor plans and most of the ones that I was looking at did. And it, it actually it never put me off it, but I would love to have just say, seen, right, what's the layout, what's the rooms, what's the sizes, just to, to kind of see it on a, a floor plan. So I know that was something I was disappointed that the house that I ended up buying didn't have. But do, do you think people maybe don't do floor plans because let's say it was maybe a three-bedroom house, but the third bedroom was quite small it would on a floor plan that might kind of stand out more do you think that's why some people don't do floor plans or maybe just that like not, not that they can't be bothered but it's maybe i suppose in some estate agents parts they maybe just didn't put in the same effort as maybe the, the likes of yourself tony well it's not everybody that actually um particularly wants to see a floor plan so i can see why it's easy to to miss it off the list our floor plans are created by the virtual tour package that we offer people anyway. So it's there. Why not offer it to everybody? Because then you're you're appealing to more of the of the market, if you like. The more you can do that will attract more people, the, the more offers you're going to get, the faster the sale, the, the higher the price, whatever it is the client's after. You've yeah. got to open that market up to as many people as possible. Yeah. Item four on the list, Tony. What was that now? Flyers and brochures. Are these, are these the same as a property prospectus, Tony, or is that over and above that? Well, there's a little bit of both going on there because we create a nice property brochure prospectus. Um, some people call it the sales particulars, whatever you want to call it. 
we we send it out mostly in a PDF format, but you can turn it into a, a really nice printed and glossy brochure. But in there, we're not just telling people about the house. We're telling people about the area as well. We're adding all the vital information on how to put in an offer, what the EPC energy efficiency rating is, what the um, council tax bill is, is likely to be by the banding, and, and where to send an offer into, that, that sort of information. But when we list a house on the market, we also leaflet the doors around about the property to tell the neighborhood what we're doing in the area because who better to invite someone that's going to be a good fit for the area than somebody that already lives in the area so we let the local neighborhood know what's going on and invite them to help us find the right buyer okay and uh, an item five yep that's emails and this one is a really big one it's fine going with someone that's uh, that, that says they're going to do a job cheap but when you go and get the job done cheap, there's always shortcuts going to be made. And one of the clear and obvious ones is that you just stick it on the internet and wait. You really want an agent that's got a client database. Every time someone views a property, you ask them if this isn't the right property for you. Before you go, let's have a quick chat about exactly what you're looking for. And can we have permission to contact you if anything like this comes up? So you've got a database of people before a property even comes on the market that you can do some pre-marketing, if you like, without giving too much away. With, with that tip, Tony, it, it kind of strikes me more as one for, for estate agents, which, which they would be be utilising. But it, is there anything, is there like a homeowner version of that tip as well? Well, that's exactly what I'm saying. You need to make sure that your, your estate agent is proactive and that they've got these sort of... Um, systems in place to to really market the property not just stick it on the internet and wait okay uh number six i mean it sort of sounds startlingly obvious but i think when you explain this more fully we'll see the common sense in not overlooking it uh it's a good old for sale sign i mean what are the additional benefits here other than someone knowing they found the right place as they see the only you know sign in your street that says for sale they know yours is the house in the market but what are the other benefits well, I'll put it to you this way, because you'll be surprised how many people say, do I have to have a sales board? I don't want my neighbours to know. But you've just cut off a percentage of the market that your neighbours might know someone that's looking to buy that's not specifically in the market just now, but would be if a property came up in the street. The obvious one is the guy that's walking past your house every day and he walks past it with his dog and he admires your house and thinks that's a really nice house. I love the garden. I love the layout. I'm not looking to change my house, but if that one ever came on the market, I think I'd be interested. Well, hang about, he's not looking on the property market every day just in case you list your house. So unless you've got a for sale board, how's he ever going to know that he's got the opportunity to bid on it? I know. I, I remember one house that I viewed, there was no for sale sign out, outside it. It had been on the market for a long time. And I was just thinking, why have you not got a for sale sign outside it it just I mean, it wasn't a house that a lot of people would have been going by but all it takes is one that's the thing somebody sees it oh hang on that one's up for sale I'll, I'll go and view it tip number seven tony was print media now we're, we're always being told that print media is dying if if not already dead and that everyone now is using apps and things online when it comes to buying and selling homes but do you still see a usefulness for advertising your home for sale in in print media well, let me put it to you this way. Everybody's going onto the internet now, aren't they, to advertise? 
So yeah. if you want if you want to stand out, one of the best marketing tips I've ever been given is be where other people ain't. So if nobody <laughs> else is on print media and you are, you are going to stand out. So yes, the opportunity comes up to put something into print. We do look at that as well. It's very important that you're everywhere. If if people are going to use you, they need to know that wherever they go, you're there. Yeah, you need to be the go-to person. So neglect print media at your own peril, in my opinion. I know I still read newspapers and and like the physicalness of, of looking at it. Same with magazines as well. And I know depending on the publication, when I, would I be right in saying like if if you were selling like a, a really high value house, you might target different publications. And if it was maybe a I say a, a slightly cheaper flat, for example. Yeah, to be honest, with you, it's the um, more expensive end of the market where you'd be really looking to aim at print media, um, and then you're looking at specialist magazines and stuff like that. So, you, yeah, it is horses for courses, absolutely, definitely. Number eight is more what I thought you would take us uh, online portals. Now, explain for us what those are, what they do, and and why we should use them, Tony. Well, the truth, uh, the truth of that one, Phil, is I wish people didn't. I wish I could just drive people like any other type of business straight to my own website. But it's a necessary thing because let's take the Inverness market. If you were looking to buy in the Inverness market and you lived in Manchester, what estate agents in the area do you know? And OK, you could say there's Google. But then you're just getting the people that are paying all these um, specialists to pump their company to the top of Google. By going to the likes of Rightmove or Zoopla, you would hope that most agents are advertising at least on one of those two platforms. We advertise on both. That means that the buyer gets to see all the properties from all the companies in the area, which means it makes it easier for the buyer. And let's face it, we need someone to buy. So you have to make it as easy as possible for those buyers. So Rightmove, Zoopla, there's a new one called Boomin as well. You've got to be in the places where people are looking. At number nine on the list, you've got social media, Tony. And, and just to qualify that statement, you're not talking about us sharing the property ourselves on social media as such. I think with, with this, I mean, you would encourage that, I'm, I'm sure, for, for people. But I, I think with this, you were looking at more like boosting it and things that the agent can do on, on social media. Was that right? When we talk about social media, people immediately think of Facebook. But there's Instagram. There's Twitter. There's YouTube. There's Google. There's LinkedIn. You know, there are so many social media platforms now people go on some social media to be distracted not to buy a property so if you get someone that's distracted interested in a property you're more likely to persuade that person to pay more for your property because guess what they weren't in the market in the first place they haven't done the same market research so social media is very very powerful it creates outlets where there weren't outlets it creates clients where there weren't clients and i don't understand why an awful lot more isn't being done on social media if i'm to be quite frank with you instagram must be a really good one it's not a platform that i use myself but i know it's all about like photos and visual things and i mean i i know people are always nosy at wanting to see other folk inside folks houses and that are then i would have thought instagram would have been like a maybe a growing one for the the property market just now yeah absolutely um 
we had a bit of an issue recently where our Facebook page went down. It was one of these artificial intelligence bots that uh, Facebook had shut it down. And it was down for about a week and a half. So I immediately turned my attention to Instagram thinking I need to keep getting the word out there. I need to keep pushing these properties and I need to keep getting the message across. And actually, I was really surprised. It was at times outperforming the things that were happening on Facebook. And that was a big wake up call for me. And it's the younger generations that are on these platforms. And these younger generations are buying houses now. Yeah. Again, I'm assuming if you're asking for your estate agent to use you know, a form of specialist marketing by sort of retargeting ads to people who've looked online at your property, for instance, there's going to be a cost for the seller. Is is that an expensive add-on? Well, if you were going through a traditional estate agent model, then I guess there will be, because if they're offering you an extra service, they're going to want to offer you an extra cost as well. But if we rewind our way back all the way to the beginning of this podcast, where you asked me to explain the difference... In Remax, your agent markets to get the client to list their house, and then he has to market that house, and he doesn't get paid until he's sold that house. So if using social media and putting out a little bit of an ad spend to get your house sold helps to get that house sold, it's money in the bank at the end of the day. So no, it's no extra cost to the client when you use Remax. I, I used well through through the work, not not when when I was selling the property, but I, I know my financial advice business they use what's called retargeting ads, and it's really good. If someone goes on, let's say the company website, the next time they log into Facebook, one of these adverts will come up, and the the company only gets charged if somebody actually clicks on it, and it's not all that expensive. And I guess that's something people could maybe use or agents could use through when selling property as well. Item 10 that we've got is one that often gets forgotten about, isn't it? The oldest form of advertising or marketing in the book. Tell us about that one, Tony. Face-to-face, people buy from people. If you've got something for sale, let people know about it. If you don't let people know about it, how are they going to let people know about it? The whole idea of an estate agent is somebody that presents a property to the widest possible market. And, And as I've said before, I think we've moved on from a situation where you can stick a sign in a window and stick an advert on the internet and sit and wait for the phone to ring because that's not going to make you stand out from the crowd. And clients today are expecting an awful lot more for their money, and quite rightly so, by the way. So, yeah, you have to be talking to everybody. Oh, by the way, did you know I've got a new two-bedroom bungalow coming on the market in Alden? It's going to be on by the end of this week. It's a lovely property. It's a corner property, and it's got a uh, single garage. That one's in Millcroft Road, by the way. That's a true story, and I just think I've given you an idea of face-to-face how you can do that. And thankfully, because this is a podcast, all your viewers are going to know that now. Yeah. When it comes to item 11, Tony, I remember looking at an area once, and I had a friend who, who lived in that part of the world, and he was kind of in with the bricks, and he used to say, if I wanted to buy something there, there was more chance of him finding out what was coming to market because he was local, so he'd hear about it. But that a lot of people wouldn't actually advertise at all, really, other than to use your previous item, face-to-face, word of mouth, to try and sell to someone they knew because they couldn't bear the idea of complete strangers just waltzing through their house. But you're saying, no, no, do the exact opposite. Have an open house. Tell us what those are and how they work. Well, open houses are particularly useful if you've got a, area, a house in an area that you know is in high demand um, because you can book up appointments. How many people can you get through a house if you're booking them one at a time? 
you know and if somebody turns up late you've got to cut the um visit short and stuff like this because of the next person now obviously we haven't been able to do this quite so much in um covid times but uh, open houses where okay we're getting a lot of interest in this property and the pre-marketing um once it goes live what we'll do is we'll open the house up to everybody come along anytime on saturday and just have a look around the house and what that does is it lets the buyers see that they are actually in a very competitive marketplace there are lots of other people there that are interested in in, in buying the property as far as the um, homeowner is concerned we prefer them not to be there anyway so they don't need the stress of that during covid times we've been able to do um open houses through an online platform through our through our um, virtual tour so we can advertise the link People come onto the link in the same way as they would come onto a Zoom call. When they go onto the link, we can guide them around the house and answer questions for them. So we've been able to adapt that to the virtual tour um, scenario, which has been really fantastic. Things must have changed a lot eh, in the last year and a half with the, the pandemic. So things were kind of different than what they'd been before. Well, I think we're like any industry in that respect. Everybody's had to adapt and change. But I feel that in, in our industry, it's it's a long time coming. And it's, yeah. let's, let's hope that when we return to a full normal, that some of the things we've learned to do have, have stay in yeah. place. Num- number 12 on the list was one that, that I hadn't really thought of, but it sounds like a good idea. Tell us about the, the next one. Number 12 was PR. Yeah, well, it's important that you know the area. Um, and that you know the story of the house. I'll give you an example. I was asked to sell a croft down in Dundragon. And in doing my research for the local area, I found a really interesting story about how Bonnie Prince Charlie, when he was escaping from the Jacobites at the uh, end of the Battle of Culloden, had actually made his way down the Glen. And there were uh, these seven men of Glen Morriston that actually protected him and shielded him from the Jacobite uh, soldiers, and he managed to escape to Skye, as the story goes. So I put all this into the brochure because I thought it was, you know, created a nice bit of atmosphere, and I sent it off to the owner for the, for their approval, and they came back to me absolutely flabbergasted and gave me the most incredible, oh, well, we really love the bit you put in about the seven men of Glen Morriston. That meant so much to us because our family have owned that croft so long, we're direct descendants from one of them. So... Mm-hmm. <laughs> You imagine when I started doing viewings of the craft, how many people got to know that story, even though I'd put it in the brochure, it gave us something really nice to talk about and gave people a reason to want to connect with the property. And that's the sort of thing you need to do. If there's something that makes it stand out, something that makes it special, that's a selling point. Come on, people will pay more. Yeah, definitely. See, with with stories like that, I I know like some property sections for example in newspapers i'll run kind of almost pr articles and properties and i suppose the press are always looking for a spin to see almost to make something a new story but something like that, that I, I don't know I, I just think stories like that are, are great really and do you think would some newspapers even go and put that into the main section of the paper as well as like uh maybe just a, the property pages yeah why not this is the whole point this is what a proper marketer will do. And when you're asking someone to be your estate agent, they're asking you to market your house. So it's thinking of ideas like that 
and and thinking outside the box that's going to make your property stand out absolutely for sure i know i remember earlier in the year i'm, I'm a big fan of the who and um in one of the national newspapers pete townsend's house was up for sale and it was a crack and it was up for like millions of pounds i'm like ah oh, just just seen it i was like <laughs> it was it's so interesting and um i saw another one i, I watched one of these programs on telly oh i can't remember the name of it now but like one of these cribs or, or some of that and it was tyson fury the the boxer he still stays in morkham and he stays in i, I don't know probably like half a million pounds house it's nothing grand for what you think somebody like that might be able to stay in i mean he could afford an awful lot more but he was just in like a I wouldn't quite call it an estate but he was in like a housing scheme but because his house was on this tv episode a lot of people were seemingly just chapping at his door and, <laughs> and going in but if you were looking to sell that house at some point and say oh such and such famous stayed here mm. great great stories is it and see for for like pr articles do, do the papers tend to charge for that or do they come to yourselves looking for for that sort of thing tony it, they don't come to us it's for us to go to them with yeah. things like that so it pays to have it pays to have an ear with the local press certainly yeah, yeah definitely <laughs> can i just ask you phil how, how did your bid go for pete townsend's house did you get it Oh, that's out of my place range. <laughs> I think if he'd sold two more life policies, he'd have been able to nail it. <laughs> yeah, you're probably not far off. Uh, last of all, Tori, is, uh, is networking. Now, for those of us unaware of what you're proposing when you say that, what do you mean exactly? Well, do you know what? I've, I've already given you the benefits of our model, and the benefits of our model is one person looking after you from start to finish. But if you were a thinking man, your, your one fear would be, I don't want a jack of all trades. Yeah, because we know the saying, jack of all trades, master of none. And you wouldn't want me to come along and do a cowboy job. So it's important for me to network because, you know, there are going to be times when I've got a client that's got a problem that I can't help you. I'm sorry, I, I, I can't do that. I'm not qualified. I'm not going to be able to do what you need me to do. Wouldn't it be nice if you can say, but I know a man that can. Mm. And that's networking. Knowing who the local business people are that can be trusted to do a job and do it right for your clients so that no matter what issue comes up you can help the client solve it you can't do that if you don't go out and actively speak to look to local businesses find out who's about and in doing so you're also answering the question for buyers when they're asking things like and what are the employment opportunities in the area you know so it's not just to benefit the homeowner but it's also to benefit the home buyer. You know, you might get someone that's moved into a house and they don't like the wooden floors or they don't like the carpets. Oh, that's not a problem, Mr. Customer. I know that you're away from, uh, you, you, you've never lived in the area before. Uh, if you're looking for a trusted trader that can help you with the, your flooring issues, I know so-and-so that will be able to look after you. If you're happy for me to, I'll put them in touch with you. It's just about adding that extra little candle on top of the, birthday cake if you like that says to people this is a more complete service yeah i think that like going through that list there's been some cracking things on there and, and hopefully it'll help some of the the listeners sell a property quicker um just a, a quick thing like at, at this time of year i mean I, we're, we're in winter time now and I, i've heard people in the past saying that you shouldn't maybe put your house on the market at, at this time of year because people are thinking about things like christmas time and are people best waiting till after the festive season or, or do you find that 
given the way the market is right now, would you still recommend if someone's thinking about it to, to sort of act more sooner? Yeah, there's never a bad time of year to put a property on the market. The perception is that people don't buy houses at this time of year. Let me tell you what the facts are. It's not that people don't buy houses this time of year. They don't They don't go around browsing at houses. You get the serious buyers are still going out looking. Um, so you're still going to get a, a, a marketplace for your home. If you wait until the new year, you join the rat race of people trying to prepare their property for the market to get it on in the spring in the hope of a summer move. If you put your house on at this time, you, you're appealing to those people and you're further down the line than those people, which means you're uh, able to hold out for a higher price than those people that are rushing to sell their house because they want to buy yours. Yeah. For, for anybody that wants to get in touch with yourself, Tony, have you, you got contact details like website, contact number, that sort of thing you could share with us? Yeah, our telephone number is 01463 641258, or you can get me directly on my mobile, which is 07723 304196. Um, you can contact us by email at info@remax-invanessaelite.net, and well, thank, Thanks. thank you so much uh, for, for being our guest. A really interesting show. And I know, Phil, as we, we enter into the part of the show where, where you share your own life story, you've not long moved house, and a lot of these tips would have been super useful when it came to selling your own place. So, so what have you got in that? Definitely. I mean, when, when we sold just recently, we, we got quite a lot of viewings. It took a wee bit of time to, to sell my house, but then that was because it was starting to get a bit, I don't know what the right word to use. I wouldn't say dated, but it was just starting to look a bit tired. It was needing a wee bit done up. And I was reluctant to do it up because I thought somebody's going to come in. I could spend a lot of money doing it up and then somebody would come in and totally redo it anyway. So probably tired was maybe a, a good word to describe my house. So it took a little bit longer to sell than, than I'd maybe had hoped for, but still wasn't just too long a, a period of time. But I got plenty of viewings and I, I would attribute that to a lot of what Tony has gone through having good photos. The video I, I thought that got done of mine was was excellent. Using the online portals as well. It's funny when Tony was going on about people still buying and, and selling in winter. And I, I remember quite a number of years ago now, I, I worked for a large solicitor's firm that specialised in, in property. And th there was one day, probably around this time of year, where it was a, a snowy day. And I thought, oh, I'm going to be sitting twiddling my thumbs. And they're going to be speaking to anybody today. Well, there, there was a builder. He couldn't work because of the snow. Mm. And I remember he came into the office. He's like, oh, I've been thinking for a while about maybe buying a property. So we, we got him a mortgage agreed in principle, managed to get that almost instantly. He then went out to view a property that day because he wasn't working. He had the time to go and, and see it, but otherwise he, he might have struggled. So he went to view this property that had been on the market came back to us, he's like, oh, I'd like to put in an offer for that one. So he put in an offer, had it accepted. He was back in the afternoon, mortgage all arranged and sorted out. And that just shows that was even on like a, a real wintry, snowy day. And it, it still just, that it just shows you that people will. And, and like Tony said, at this time of year, folk that are like viewing and stuff, they do tend to be quite keen. So 
bit of good advice from from Tony in that respect as well. Tell, tell you what else it shows you. See, when you're a self-employed builder, the only time you take the day off is when it snows and you can't you can't put the cement mixer. Phil, we always do this bit as well. You find inspiration, I know, through various people that you admire, and you love a quote. Have you got one if it's our subject matter for this episode on 13 ways to market your property and achieve a quick sale? Yeah, the, the quote of the week this week is from someone called Susie Orman. Owning a home is a keystone of wealth, both financial affluence and emotional, emotional security. Now, Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your financial queries. If you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask them anonymously if you wish. Let's get on to this week's and the contact details in just a moment. I'll give it to you after these. Here's our first question. I'm told interest rates will inevitably go up in an effort to try and control inflation and bring it back down again. Am I right in thinking that should mean higher mortgage payments, but cheaper shopping, and it should all balance out, or will I be worse off? Well, if, if you have a variable rate mortgage, if, if interest rates go up, then you're likely to see your payment rise because... Um, if the Bank of England rate goes up, most lenders will put their, their standard variable rates up and any mortgages linked to the base rate will also rise as well. Um, if you're coming to the end of a fixed rate deal, um, you could see your payments going up slightly as well, depending on things. But it all depends on, on the deal that you're on. So I always encourage people to review their, their mortgage regularly. If, if inflation's rising then the costs of goods and services are going up. And sadly, when prices go up, they don't always come back down. So a lot of people over the next few months, I think are going to be, be a bit worse off. I know energy prices have one that's gone up quite a lot lately. Cost of things like timber supplies have, have gone up quite a bit. You've also got food costs have, have risen as well in recent times. And I, I know the chap that owns one of the local chip shops close by and he was telling me that he put his prices up recently and he's a way to actually do it again and he was just saying it was all purely down to because his supply costs have rocketed so I think there's going to be a wee bit of pain for folk over the, the next few months with, with costs going up and in fact there already has been in, in some instances recently as well but unfortunately yeah some people's bills will be rising and sadly wages don't always go up in line with that as well which is is a tough thing but could have a few few tough months to come for for some people i think okay in, in terms of mortgage payments so i think what i heard is so we're we're at what 0.25 percent just now and it might go up to i think the recommendation was like 0.35 so it might not be that much more monthly yeah the, the base rate 10 well when, when we're recording this it's 0.1 percent the, right. the base rate this episode is due to come out around about the time that the money Monetary Policy Committee review. review it again, yeah. I, I think at some point, well, I mean, you've got to, one of the guys in the office is really good. He often, the way he explains it to clients is he'll say to them, look, interest rates are a lot lower than what they would normally be because of the pandemic. They went down below where, not, not where they should have been, but he almost calls it a correction rather than things rising. And, and that's probably a good way to, to look on it. Um, but it is, but sadly, some some bills for people are going to be a wee bit higher the next wee while. Okay, uh, next one is from Tim in Fockabers, and Tim says, in the subject of winter fuel and rising costs, do you think I'm better to commit to a provider tariff uh, and lock in a price, or could I be cheaper just buying LPG deliveries from different companies, shopping about, and going for the best price as I need it? Do you know, that there isn't a one-size-fits-all answer for this. Um, I mean, to, to give you some examples... A good time for people to fix is if they want 
like the peace of mind of what they're paying. Um, if they feel they can afford the payments now, they might think, right, I'll just fix it and, and know that that's to, what it's going to be. And then you don't have the fear that costs are going to rise in the future. So that that's some of the benefits of fixing. And I know at certain periods of time, certain experts will say, right, you should fix. And it, it's actually quite unusual just now because th there's more reasons at the minute maybe why you shouldn't fix like energy prices. And usually standard variable tariffs are amongst the most expensive tariffs on the market. However, the, the energy regulator, they've got what's called a price cap. Now, this is based on wholesale prices from the past. Now, because prices have risen quite a, a lot recently, it means that the energy suppliers are still basing this on like a previous price. So unusually, being on this at the minute could be better for some people. I know one energy expert that I was speaking to just recently, and what he was kind of saying that people are best sticking with like the variable rate tariffs until the price cap is reviewed again in April 2022. And, and his kind of way of thinking was, right, your energy usage is going to be more at this time of year. So you want it to try and be a bit cheaper now and then look at maybe fixing onto something in the next year. But then I guess what nobody knows is what's energy prices going to be next year. If they were to rise more, then you might have thought, oh, I wish I'd gone on a fixed tariff. So th there's a great unknown with, with that question as well. Uh, would you say, before you get in touch with the question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a fair few topics and we might have touched on what you're interested in. I'm John Mellis. Thanks for joining us today for the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for Finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or on the Facebook page for the show, search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. That's Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn too, or why not email Phil a question that he can answer in a future show? His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question, and Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast, as I say. And please be assured, we won't use your real name if that's what you prefer. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us, and please follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. That way you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time, and thanks for listening. Thanks very much, John, and thanks very much for coming on, Tony. It's been a, a pleasure to have you on the podcast this week. Yeah, no worries. Delighted to have been asked to come on, Phil. Thank you very much. Oh, thanks. Thanks.